welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. And you are joined by Danuta and Lawson this morning. And also Peter, he's our production manager while Shell's been away. Shell's coming back done. later this week. Thank you, Peter. It's good to have you all in here. Hey, what are we grateful for this morning? Oh, look, I am just so grateful that I've been able just to get a bunch of work done. Oh. And, and I've just been able to to do some more. Like, I, I've just been in the thick of study coming up to my mid-semester break. And I've just been getting it done. Also, you know, although we've been really blessed by Peter looking here, it's great to know that Shell's coming back today after a, after a holiday. She'll eventually get in here, so... Yeah, yeah, she'll be in here later this week because of the right. time difference with things. But, you know, Peter's been doing great work. Thank you so much, it. Peter, with helping uh, us out absolutely. in this time. Um, it's just been fabulous to have you. Hey, you know what I'm grateful what for? What are you grateful for, Janita? I went down the beach, Newcastle Beach, on the weekend and just chilled there for a little bit. One of my favourite places, by the way. Yeah, me just, too. Just incredible. In fact, there's like a bit of a joke on my campus with like some of my friends from uni because I'm always like it'll be Saturday afternoon I'm like guys let's go to Newcastle Beach <laughs> and so it's like oh where are we going you know I'll be like hey what's up and they'll be like oh we're going to Newcastle Beach it's like, such a beautiful spot so awesome. isn't it I mean and I love going there for the walks too other than just sitting and chilling and doing some reading mm. but when I went for a walk just you know just under the lighthouse area people were constantly stopping because right on the side there mm. there was a seal quite a oh, big seal yeah. and yes. he was just having the time of his life mm-hmm. You know, basically rolling around and just in his own little space, but mm. just enjoying rolling onto the back, then putting the flippers together, almost like into a prayer thing. I showed it to my husband because I'm pretty like All creation cries just, out. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's powerful. It. So I'm grateful for God's creation today. Just, just beautiful awesome. stuff. It really was something else. That's so good. And coming up on our show today, we have our interview with Scott Devon from Creation Ministries. In our news, we're going to Morocco today, as well as findings in the UK. And in our Bible study time, we're continuing in Ephesians 6. And today we're looking at finding strength in God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. And we're excited that we're on for another day today with Faith FM and what is going to happen. And who's going to write into us? Because yesterday we had stacks and stacks of uh, text messages and answers to Mm. our quiz questions too. So where are we going today with our first quiz question? Mate, our first quiz question, where we are going is right here. If you guys are ready for it, here we go. According to Nahum 1... What is the Lord slow to? Mm. If you know the answer to this, well then, 0491-064-669 is the number two text. According to Nahum 1, what is the Lord slow to? Again, 0491-064-669. And of course, our prize for this week is just the fantastic a taste of travel book, which is essentially basically like soups and stews from all over the world. You can pick a country and it will probably most likely be on here. Yeah. In fact, I said earlier, well, you said earlier that we were going to talk about Morocco in the news this morning and we are in, in my news section. Yeah. And if I'm like, hey, I want to eat something from Morocco, here we go. Carrot soup with cilantro drizzle. 
What's cilantro? Isn't cilantro um, uh, the one that tastes like soap to some people? It's, <laughs> it's uh, that, that that the herb. It's it's just it's uh, just es- escaping my tongue right now. Cilantro, coriander. Coriander. It's coriander. That's I was right. just looking that Cilantro up too. Is Cilantro is coriander. So, so is that the Moroccan term for coriander? It's the American term. I'm pretty. True. I know Americans say that. Maybe I've just maybe it originates new. from somewhere else, but Americans say cilantro. Oh, I've learned something this is, new this morning. This is an American book. This is an American-made yeah, book. Yeah, but the, it takes us around the world. It so it takes us if everywhere. You taste, taste the different foods. Cook the different foods. You'll feel like you're going around the world. Absolutely. Without so, leaving your home. So go, yeah. Wait from the very comfort of your own home no need to you'll pay for be flights. dining all over the world again that question was according to name one what is the lord slow to zero four nine one zero six four six six nine that is the number two text and of course i want to give a shout out this morning to a place where i've spent a lot of time that is raymond terrace new south wales oh, uh, listening on 87.6 that's not far from here from our radio station just about 28 minutes minutes up the road yeah. we are from Raymond Terrace. I spent a lot of time there. I was a part of the Raymond Terrace Mission Church that was there. Well, that is there. It's still there it's and they're doing really still well. There yes. Kick it along. It, well, when I joined, it was a very small church plant and it's amazing to see that it's now it's functioning as a church. And one of my very good friends, shout out Mark Sutherland, uh, is pastoring the church there. So just amazing stuff. But shout out to the city, the, the town of Raymond Terrace. In fact, we were in Raymond Terrace during my student break. Uh, were they distributing Christian you literature? You were. You were doing the door knocking, weren't That's you? That's right. We're out there, you know, giving people just amazing books about how they can know Jesus as a close and personal friend. So shout out Raymond Terrace, shout out all of the, the people out there, shout out the church as well. And maybe you're from Raymond Terrace and you're listening this morning, or you've been to Raymond Terrace, you've been to the church there. Hey, let us know, 0491 that is our number. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. So keep texting us in 0491 We're already getting several answers jumping right on in yeah. into that first quiz question. So keep on playing because you go in for the draw for the book on Friday at yeah. quarter to nine. That all happens. Danuta, what yeah. is happening in the world of positively different news? Positively different news, you know, and the exciting thing is, you know, I love discoveries and I know we did a discovery yesterday, but I've got another discovery one this time as well. It is actually about a coin that's been discovered in the UK. Now, do you ever have you ever seen people going with those metal detectors like on the beach? Oh yeah, I have some friends or down who in the bush super, at oi, times or mate, have you ever done okay, that? So, so I one time told Lyle Southwell, oh. you know, former host on the breakfast yes. show of Faith FM, our current boss, um, I one time to- I told him that in my backyard is some kind of discovery or artifact or something that my dad had been uh alerted to ah. and Lyle and a friend of his showed up the next day with, with a metal detector with a metal detector <laughs> and spent yeah. a good couple hours in my backyard walking around the problem was as I told him it was there I also I kind of let How this, did you know there was something there because there the previous owners told us okay. and so I told him that something was there you know you should have a look but then I, I told him like oh yeah it's like a cu- a good couple acres 
He's like, yeah, all right. And then he rocked up and then he realized like, oh, wait, this is this actually... This is really big. This is actually a good couple acres. And so they looked around for a couple of hours and they're like, ah, oh, no, we can't find anything. And then took off. But Just, yeah, Lyle's into it. So there they, you I, go. I've got some other friends on Facebook who go around metal detecting and then sell off their, their gold nuggets and whatever. That have they, they found gold nuggets? Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they go out to like West Aussie and, and okay. whatnot to, to go out and metal detect. Nice. Okay. So, so someone's cool. had a metal detector. Where, where have they yeah, been? Yeah. So there's a farmer who used his metal detector um, in Hampshire and mm. he's actually found, so this was found earlier this year, it's only just been reported now because they, of course, had to do a clean on it, but they found a coin. This has been stamped with the name of a new Iron Age ruler and king um, and it's actually found, been found in his field, which is mm. amazing. And it's actually a coin that's made of gold, but catch this, it's not just any gold coin, so it's not like our, like our $2 coin or something you know, that he mm. would find. Um, and of course, they've got pounds over there, but it's actually something that's about two thousand years old. Oh wow! Can you believe it? Like yeah. you know, so he's going like this has been worth using the metal detector, right? Mm. Oh, absolutely. And so yeah, they're feeling that um, the uh, the archaeologists are looking at it, and they found that they're thinking it's dating to around fifty BC. It's actually got a name that's been stamped on it, which is Esunertos, which means mighty as God Esos. And it's actually a name of an iron ruler that has not previously been recorded. So the thing that they can date it back just by not what's on the, by what's on the coin, because there's also wheels, you know, chariots and things like that, chariot wheels on there and things like that. And just the shape of it and the way it looks. And they say, saying that it's actually one of the outstanding discoveries over the last few decades. Um, and it's yeah, only the size of it, like a fingernail. So it's absolutely tiny, mm. but at the same time, they've been able to find all of this detail on there, which is really, really quite incredible. And um, so if you look at it, like for the time of the dating, it's actually around the time that Julius Caesar actually invaded Britain. So he was a Roman emperor mm. and he inva- invaded Britain twice around f- uh, 55 and 54 BC. Mm. He had actually landed on the coast of Kent. Um, he came with a fleet of ships carrying about 20,000 Roman soldiers. Um, but at the first, the first time that he actually came to Britain, there were Celtic warriors that were actually on the shores. Um, and so the Romans were actually forced to return home. And then Caesar later returned with 50,000 soldiers. Um, and they were there for about three months. He actually, mm. you know, went along the, the river Thames as well. But then they, after three months, they turned back to stop a rebellion in France. Um, and it was until 43 AD that Emperor, Emperor Claudius, of course, invaded, uh, Rome. Um, mm. and that's when, you know, basically there was the changeover, you know, with what was then happening within mm. Britain. But, yeah, so it's really interesting. So, you know, when, when Julius Caesar invaded around the 55, 54 BC, he'd actually recently conquered Gaul and his efforts in Britain were actually hindered by the bad weather and the fact also that the Celtic warriors were there, which is really fascinating stuff. Yeah, hey, shout so. out England yeah. weather. I have been to England. Oh, all me of, too. I lived there for two years. All of three days I've oh. been to England and every day I was there, it was raining and I was like, you know what? This is so on brand. Like I expected nothing less from my time in England than for it to just be bucking down. In fact, one of the times I went to England, I was trying to get to Ethiopia 
uh-huh. and my flight got cancelled and delayed and whatnot. And so I was trying to go Australia, Singapore, Ethiopia, but ah. then I went Australia, Singapore, Heathrow, Ethiopia. Oh, wow. And uh, as a result, it took me like 60 hours to, wow, get, I bet to, it was. to, to, get, to get to Ethiopia. <laughs> but it, it was just, oh, it's just hilarious that I was like, oh, sweet. I get to, you know, stop into England for a bit. And I got there, you know, I was there for like seven hours. I'm like, oh, I could go out into the city yeah, and have a look the around. Rain. And it was just dreadful weather. Yeah. But, um, oh, but it's, it's, and it's so funny that for Julius Caesar, you know, one of the greatest, uh, em- imperial, you know, uh, leaders to yeah. ever exist. It's like, yes, let's go up and conquer. And then he's like, oh, there's too Not much too rain. <laughs> classic. Oh, just Absolutely. a classic. Absolutely. And I know when I lived there, like I felt there was like only two, two, three weeks of the summer and people would actually sunbake on their cars. Like, you know, yeah. I was just like, this like is a new thing for me. 15 hey. degrees. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah. That's but, you know, awesome. interesting discoveries. But, you know, I think the greatest discoveries that we have are still in the Bible, which yeah, I think are just amazing in every possible way. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Danuta and Lawson. Lawson, what is our next quiz question for this morning, please? Next quiz question for this morning in question number two. Here we go. Jesus told the church in Sardis they had a reputation for being what? A, being alive but dead. B, being wretched, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. C, being loveless, or D, being corrupt. Now, this is a reference to the seven churches at the beginning Mm. of the book of Revelation. And I will give you a hint. All of these answers are a description of of different churches. But But we're trying to find which one. The one for Sardis. Is it A, being alive but dead? B, being wretched? C, being loveless? Or D, being corrupt? What was Sardis known by? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669 is our number to text. And maybe you're feeling like, man, you know, I, I really, I'm like, I just, I really want some Spanish food. Have you ever felt like that? I love Spanish food. I love food. Spanish food too. So good. Uh, That's I love- why I love church pot lunks. You get to uh, Just, pot lucks. Yeah. Because you luck, get to eat. luncheons. Because you get to eat other people's food. Absolutely. And you're like, oh, I want to eat some Spanish soup. Well, on this list of recipes from Spain, it's got, it's got gazpacho rico, which is like a classic Spanish soup that I have eaten plenty of times before. Right right in Spain, in uh, in my little... Uh, the, the little town that I was staying in, Cartena, have amazing gazpacho there. But uh, it's, you yeah, know, yeah, nice, right. Stop showing nice off. <laughs> winter. Si- hey, you said earlier, you know, <laughs> no, you, I lived good. in England. I know. It's, oh, well, I lived no, in no, no, I'm saying no, no, you're saying, saying some words in Spanish uh, uh, right there. That's okay, right. Okay. Like, uh, you okay. know, yeah, yeah. Because when you live in England, all then you then learn you- is English. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> hey, 0491 is the number to text. Again, Jesus told the church in Sardis they had a reputation for being what was it? A, being alive but dead. B, being wretched, more miserable, poor, blind, and naked. C, being loveless. Or D, being corrupt. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. That is the number to text in if you know the correct answers. Guys, you're listening to the breakfast show this morning, and I wanted to do an update on the situation in Morocco at the moment. So, mm. if you haven't heard, Morocco has been unfortunately rocked with a six point eight magnitude. 
That's earthquake, huge, hey? which is huge. I think the biggest earthquake that we've had here in so well, the Newcastle earthquake, I believe, was a five magnitude. I think it was, yeah. But Australia not lying on a fault line. We don't have big earthquakes like that, unlike you know New Zealand and whatnot, who mm. routinely get up in the sixes and the sevens. The biggest earthquake I've experienced, I've been in a four magnitude earthquake before you've been in one i've been in one oh, in, wow. in australia in australia it, where it was i was up at yarra Hapney, so just below coffs harbour there yeah uh, i was there for a teen summer camp wow. and just a bunch of seismic activity started to Serious? take place yeah i i was there you know on the grounds of the camp and the ground just started tremoring and there was a two and then there was a three and then there was a four Wow. Like one after the other, like throughout the day. And it was starting to get to the point where the camp started talking about like, oh, should, should we, we leave? You know, should we leave? <laughs> like, let's, uh, let's start to put in and, and implement some, some kind safety of, issues. of safety, uh, you know, strategy if the earthquakes start getting worse, but it stopped there. This earthquake though, 6.8 magnitude. And currently there is a 2,681 person death toll which wow. makes it the deadliest earthquake in morocco for the last 60 years uh now this is obviously a huge and is this in a particular you know which part of morocco does, does it say? uh so it is up near marrakesh mm-hmm. uh which is like one of the more famous places to visit i believe marrakesh is the capital of morocco uh if not you can you know uh, you can uh you can you know uh, give me some advice as to how it's you, you can correct me on that one uh but so it's in this area and it's a bit unfortunate too because like from from that perspective uh morocco's tourist or tourism has been really picking up over the last couple of years 6.5 million people have been visiting in the first six months wow. of this year which is huge um and uh, so, oh, well, the ca- yeah, the capital of R- Morocco is actually Rabat, um, but it's uh, it's you know uh, tourism in these kind of areas has been picking up, but unfortunately, due to this earthquake, there has been some quite notable sites that have seen buildings collapse and whatnot. But obviously, like the biggest the biggest tragedy of this is the people who have mm. died. And it's amazing to see whenever these kinds of tragedies happen. You know, I was reading in, you know, secular news sites. I was reading in the BBC. Uh, there's a huge call from Morocco. They're saying, please send us international aid. Uh, so, so far, the United States, Tunisia, Turkey, Taiwan, and France um, have jumped on board to help Morocco, but they're still, you know, crying out from the government. Like, we, we, need, we need more help. We yeah, need yeah. Well, because there's obviously people that they're still looking for as well. Yeah. I mean, they've they've um, found that many, but there's there's more under the rubble. Yeah, absolutely. Likely. But it's awesome to hear that Christian groups, you know, being independent from you know governments and whatnot, have just stepped up into that place immediately. I love that because I think even our Adventist Church has got ADRA out yep. there, isn't it? Because we've got ADRA Australia Worldwide, which is the Adventist Development Relief Agency. Yes, not often spoken of, not often heard about much either, but they're often one of the first ones in those places. Yeah, absolutely. So in a natural disaster like this, ADRA would be on the floor, like on on the ground, on the ground you yeah. know 
essentially working to find displaced people yep. somewhere to stay. That obviously and providing food and shelter yeah, and things. Doing yep. doing these kinds of things, but that's Adra's big focus is helping displaced people that's right. from these kinds of uh, situations, situations yeah. and natural disasters. It's awesome to hear you've got other groups. Con- Convoy of Hope is out there already. They've been giving daily updates about meeting the citizens, providing uh, hygiene, f- hygienic supplies, food, water, shelter, blankets, generators uh, to the survivors as well. We've got Operation Blessing, which is also operating out there and you know meeting people with aid. There are just a number of different organizations. The International Disaster Relief, which is also a Christian organization Fabulous. too. Uh, and then Red Cross, you know, a bunch of these other ones that are just getting out there and immediately meeting the people and, and helping them with this aid. And I, I love it too. Again, Morocco, uh, they're saying, hey, you know, to these international countries, please come and assist us. And I believe, you know, government assistance in these particular, you know, situations is needed because the government has enough funds and resources to actualize something like that. But it's good to see the independent uh, Christian organizations just stepping up to the well, plate. And, you know, the Christian organizations are so much about other focused, aren't they? And mm. they bring in um, the depth also from the faith ex- um, faith perspective as mm. well, that, you know, to love everyone equally. Um, but there's so much about family as well in every way. And I'm not just saying that, you know, the government's not helpful there. It's the fact that there's this other perspective that is yeah. in, brought in because a lot of these people, of course, will be, belie- you know, there will be so many believers amongst that too. But also mm. at times times of tragedy people are, are start asking where is there is there a god mm. you know where is Absolutely. god and that sort of thing and so many families are displaced and trauma that they're going through is huge hopefully we can get some information from adra and hear about how they're working because we did hear from adra when the devastating earthquake in turkey happened yeah and, and uh, years ago the tsunami one in um you know oh Anyway, the one yeah. that the movie's been done about. Yeah, yeah, um, it's, uh, uh, Indonesia, Indonesia, I, I, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in Turkey just earlier this year, you know, speaking to Adra, because, like, the earthquake happened, tens of thousands of people died, buildings collapsed, some people, all mm. kinds of just awful mm. situations. And one thing that Adra was highlighting is their response not only to the physical needs of the people uh, in terms of being displaced and providing housing and whatnot, but also the mental needs of the people. They did a significant and considerable work getting you know and 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 again this is the benefit of the christian approach being personable Mm. you know really getting to the heart of the people is that they're able to support so many people through their time of distress yeah and so yeah it's just fantastic to see you know this action these actions being taken i have some more stories to talk about and in fact i kind of commented before the show that they're a bit spicy but i'm not going to get time to get into them so you guys are going to have to stay listening (laughs) for tomorrow but we're going to continue on with the show you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different by listening to the breakfast show and do you know we are going to have our next quiz here we go take it away the name lucifer is mentioned in which book of the bible 
Oi, epic question. The name Lucifer is mentioned in which book of the Bible? This is kind of, like, subversive. It is. It is. Oh, I think if you're familiar with the Bible and if you're familiar on these passages, then you'll know the answer. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the name Lucifer is mentioned in which book of the Bible? The inference there is that it's only mentioned in one. It is. Obviously, you know, Satan is mentioned right throughout the Bible, but Lucifer apparently is only, mm. only his original name, Son of the mm. Morning, only mentioned. Which, by the way, is such an epic name, like such an epic name with such an awesome meaning that's been ruined forever because oh, of it? this person's actions. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, in every way. Yeah. And of course, we've all been impacted by it yeah. as humanity, yeah. as yeah. That's so, right. The impact of what happened with Lucifer and beyond and what continues to happen now. So, yeah, that number again is 0491 Text us in for the name Lucifer is mentioned in which book of the Bible? So, mm. text us in so you can go in for the draw yes. for the cookbook that a takes taste us around. Of travel. Taste of travel takes us right around the world. But hey, right now we've actually got our interview uh, with Scott Devon from Creation Ministries. Hello, Scott. Are you there? Hi, Kanita. Yeah, I'm here. Hi, Scott. Oh, Scott. What's up, man? <laughs> so welcome right back on, Scott. I know you haven't been on for a while. When Lyle was actually on, you've actually been on, and I think we've got you back on regularly now again too. Um, and so today is one of the first times, yeah, in a little while, and you're working in creation ministry. So given some of our listeners may not have heard you before, give us just a little bit of background about yourself and what you do in that space, please. Yeah, sure. So... Yeah, my name's Scott, and I guess you've said that already. And um, um, I, I originally um, studied geophysics, and I worked as a geophysicist to start with um, in my career. Um, I moved on to a couple of other industries, but I, I came back to science as I started working for Creation Ministries mm-hmm. about four and a half years ago now. Um, so, yeah, that was an interesting story how I ended up there, and I ended up having a chat with one of my colleagues who you probably talked with, Dr. Taz Walker. Um, and I just kind of, I, I, I found the office very by accident and just said, oh, look, you know, I, I wanted to find out more. So I was actually brand new to this uh, creation evolution subject. I mean, mm. you know, I'd heard of it, but I was brand new to a lot of the materials that we have uh, when I w- walked in that office that day. And then we s- just ended up having a chat and ended up working there quite soon after. Mm. Um, but yeah, I felt like that was God's leading. And uh, and so recent, more recently, I've... Um, been looking at astrophysics, so I do a bit of geophysics and write a few articles on that, but I've been uh, studying some astrophysics, I've even um, engaged in, uh, so I could learn more about that subject, because that's quite an interesting subject in the creation evolution debate, and so I could learn more about that. Um, It's kind of, I guess you might say there's physics in it, but there's a lot of things I needed to learn, so I actually went uh, back to university to learn to do a few modules in astrophysics so I could get a better understanding of it. That's been fun to learn about that. So tell sounds amazing, doesn't it? So tell us just a little bit about this astrophysics and what is it that particularly you have really dug into in that space? Well, it's it's actually quite a big subject and you can go... So I've, I've looked at astrophysics and cosmology. And so cosmology is more about the distant universe and the history of the universe, whereas astrophysics would be a bit closer to home, but still it can be on a, a galactic scale. Um, but one of the things that got me interested in it and why I started looking at it a bit more originally was um, this uh, fairly new discovery of exoplanets. 
So uh, to explain what an exoplanet is, I don't know, maybe have you heard, do you, have you guys heard of an exoplanet? Do you know what that is? Mm, yeah, 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 oh. sure. Uh, like an exoplanet is like a, a planet, any planet beyond our solar system, essentially. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so this was, but this was just an idea and it wasn't a real thing up until the 90s. It was mm. 1995 that really a, a was probably the first discovery of an exoplanet. Mm. And since then, we've found about 5,000. So there's a oh, wow. look at the, a catalog of exoplanets. Um, go to NASA, NASA have got a page, and a few other people have got a page, and they list all the exoplanets that have been confirmed. Um, but it's it's quite a, it was quite a difficult task. You think, well, hang on, we put men on the moon, you know, f- over 50 years ago, yet we've only found exoplanets in 1995. What's going on there? Because, mm. you know, it's not... It's not, it shouldn't be that difficult, but if you think about it, you've got a, uh, so stars, we can see them even with the naked eye, without a telescope, you just look up in the sky and you can see thousands of stars, and we know there's trillions and trillions out there mm. now um, because of telescopes. But um, think about a planet, you're trying to image a planet, well, planets don't give off light, um, usually they mm. don't give off light, um, they do reflect light. And so we can see the planets in our solar system, some of them with the naked eye, often we need a telescope. Um, but if you're looking at a planet that's in the, very far away, as the stars are, um, millions of light years away, um, but you're looking at a planet that's orbiting one of those stars, well, the problem you've got is you've got a very bright source next mm. to the dull source that you want to look at. So the light of the star drowns out the um, reflected light of the planet. Oh. Um, so that... So it does not make sense. It's kind of difficult to see the planet because the light of the star is drowning out the reflected mm. light of the planet. There's only a tiny, tiny, tiny amount of light that compared to the light from the star. So when we look, even with really good telescopes, it's very hard to block out that starlight. And eventually technology came in where we were able to do that and block out that starlight so we could see these exoplanets. Mm. Wow. Okay, okay, so now we have the ability to block out this light so we can see the exoplanet. And that is fascinating that only up until the 90s that they've actually been able to find planets outside of our solar system because I'm thinking, like, particularly from, like, a, from, like, an art point of view, from a, from a, uh, from a popular culture point of view, there was the perspective easily in the 90s that, oh, yeah, there's, like, you know, galaxies far, far away and Star Wars and all this stuff. But, Really, what you're essentially saying is the the first observed exoplanet was only as late as the late 90s. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was uh, so 1995. There was this one that was found. That's probably, and that's usually the one they say was the first. And mm-hmm. um, I think there was one slightly earlier than that, but um, it was more of a difficult detection. So that real first one, that I think if you if you look up most, maybe Wikipedia will tell you 1995, and that'll be, and, and, and there was a big issue with that. It was a mm. it was a gas giant, so it was like Jupiter. Mm. So Jupiter, we got these gas giants, Jupiter and Neptune, and, and they've got these gaseous surfaces, and they're huge planets. Um, but it was a gas Jupiter, and it was orbiting very close to its star. Um, and uh, I forget the figures now, but I think it was a matter of hours. So the year would be a matter of hours. So it would oh, orbit wow. the star because it was so close. Now, I should probably clarify because I was saying we would look at the exoplanets. We've only actually imaged a few exoplanets. Not those, Most of those 5,000, they'll be only detected. But, mm. um, but it's quite good means that we've got of detecting it. So those first ones, um, 
especially in the first 10, 15 years, they would be detected. And the way they do that would be, um, so it, for example, with this one that I'm saying, you've got a gas giant very near the star. What would happen is the gas giant would orbit the star and the star would wobble a little bit um, and the planet would wobble a little bit. Um, oh, wow. And so it, it was from the star's wobble. So just the same as the Earth has... Um, or the sun has a gravitational effect on the earth, and that's why the earth orbits the sun. The earth actually... Oh, it seems that we... The, the gra- Sorry, got so you, did, you just briefly dropped out, but back with us again. Oh, yep. sorry. I, I was just explaining just how the earth mm-hmm. orbits around the sun mm-hmm. because of the sun's gravitational field. Yes. Um, so... But, and if you remember kind of Newtonian physics, you have, you have equal and opposite effects. So yes. the Earth actually has the equal and opposite effect on the sun. Because the sun's so massive, mm. it's, it doesn't move very much. And it's actually just a very small wobble. Mm. But if you imagine you've got a big Jupiter-sized planet next to a very close to another big star, but because the planet's so big and so close, the wobble effect on the star is observable and that that was actually what was observed to start with that was oh. absolutely fascinating to see so they knew that the planet was there because they're like oh this star's wobbling the only thing that can make that happen is if another planet is orbiting quite close yeah and so there was one or two other techniques that they used to that would kind of confirm that but but yeah that's correct there's probably only um a handful 10 10 20 or so of exoplanets that have actually been imaged and those images they're not like the images that you see coming back from the moon of the earth with the you know the nice green land green and um blue the green and blue of the earth and it looks beautiful as you as oh just dropping out briefly again there Scott, are you with us? Yeah. Popular culture and the pictures we see of these exoplanets. Sometimes you see the picture of these exoplanets. They, they, um, in popular culture, a lot of them, or the majority of them, will be artistic renditions as opposed to actual images. Sure. Okay. And we, we've just opened up some while you're talking on that, just looking at them, and the colours on them are fascinating too. Do, does it give a pop of colours as well as what you're seeing happening out there, like with, with the images? Yeah, so so if you're looking at one and it looks like it has, if you're looking at an image of an exoplanet as you type it into Google or wherever you type it in, and if you're seeing it and it has, it looks like there's different land masses and seas, like you know, like the Earth, you've got green and blue and different colours. Yeah. Um, that won't be an image. Um, the image will be just a few pixels and one one colour. So that will be an artistic rendition, and they'll say that somewhere if you look closely enough. And and the key to this is, and this is where the relevance comes in, mm-hmm. is that um, we're, you know, obviously out of the evolutionary worldview says that we're just an accident here on Earth. The Earth is nothing special. And there should be plenty of other planets out there in the universe that the same kind of accident has happened. And we have this um, beautiful blue water on the surface and um, an atmosphere that lets in just the right amount of heat um, at the right wavelengths for photosynthesis to happen. You know, the design features of the Earth are incredible. But um, the idea is if this came about by accident, surely something similar came about by accident as well. And so... Um, I think that's pushed very much in the exoplanet research because that's really how they get their funding is they're saying, look, you know, that would be very exciting to find Earth 2.0. And you'll even see news headlines like that. But the reality is is very much different from that. We we don't know very we don't know the details of those planets. And what we do know is that um, 
uh, the information that we have says that those planets will be very inhospitable. Um, and if you think about if you think about that one I was saying earlier that was the gas giant, the Jupiter-like planet orbiting mm. very close to the star, you can imagine the kind of heat you would experience on, mm. on that planet. And, it, and second of all, it's a gas giant, so it's gas on the surface. You can't, there's no surface to stand on. Yeah. Um, so so I, I did a, I mean, it's been a few years ago, I did a bit of an extensive study on, okay, well, is, are any of these ha planets habitable? And the answer was um, definitely not by a, by a long shot. Um, yeah. The majority of them are not even found in what they call the habitable zone. Have you ever heard of that term, habitable zone? Yeah, I think it, it's also referred to as the Goldilocks zone, if I'm correct. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. the exact yeah. precise place where there's enough you know, heat and sunlight and, you know, whatever to essentially enable growth of plants and oxygen and, and you know, an atmosphere that is, is suitable for human life or any life. Yeah, well, yeah so, so there's an interesting point here because that's, that's the idea that they're trying to get across, at least. Um, but, but, and you think habitable, well, it must mean it's a habitable planet. But actually, all it means is if you've got a planet in the habitable zone, all it means in the technical literature is the planet is close enough and not too far away. It's, it's, it's close enough and not too far away from the sun or the star of that star mm. system that it wouldn't freeze and it wouldn't melt, <laughs> yeah. basically, mm. that, you would, that, you, that you could sustain liquid water on the surface. It's not saying that there is liquid water on the surface. It's not saying that the planet has a habitable atmosphere. It's not saying that the planet has the right magnetic field to protect the atmosphere from um, cosmic rays. It's not mm. saying, not saying uh, there's probably 200. Um, some people that have studied this have said there's at least 200 habitability requirements um, that we have on the Earth that you would need to see an exoplanet uh, satisfied before you would begin to say that's possibly habitable for complex life. Um, but really, the, the the one that's only been investigated so far, and, and yes, there's some there's some inquiry into these other ones, but the main one that's been investigated so far is simply the distance the planet needs to be away from the star yes. so that it would have the right amount of light from the star. And it also needs to have a circular orbit, which is another thing um, I've not mentioned yet, is the Earth has an almost circular orbit around the star. Now, if you think a lot... Um, the majority of planets have eccentric orbits, um, or well, a a many can at least. And if you think about an eccentric orbit, well, you've got one one point of the year you're very close to the sun, and one point of the year you're very far away from the sun. And you can see how that starts to be a problem as well. Mm, absolutely, because essentially you're you're, you're left in a in a situation where like summer and winter is so drastic that you can't have, you know. Um, constant growth or, you know, be able to, to have habitable conditions. You know, I, I really love the point that you're making here that although claims are being made, oh, yes, we can observe and see how potentially life can be somewhere else. The reality is, is that nothing comes close to the earth that God has created and made perfectly for us to inhabit and to have life. And I love the fact of uh, how it's really clear that God has created things in order, hasn't he? Like, you know, in, in every possible way. Yes, I, and that's what excited me about the subject is that actually they've gone out to find out these other habitable planets and what we've found so far, the reality of what we've found so far is that we've ended up 
finding that the Earth is actually very special. Mm. And, and really that lies in the face of the popular secular view um, uh, that we're just a pale blue dot. You might have heard of that term that came yeah. from uh, the 1980 uh, TV show that Carl Sagan um, uh, was the... Um, was the speaker on and he, Carl Sagan I mean he's he's passed now but he was a very popular science presenter mm. and he, he was a astrophysicist and cosmologist and there was a picture of the earth on the Voyager spacecraft and so these Voyager spacecraft are these spacecraft that got sent out in the 70s and they're still beaming back information to us now mm. um, uh, but they they passed the edge of the solar system and as they were passing the outer planets uh, they turned the camera back to look at earth and the earth just looked like a pale blue dot and so there's this idea that the Earth is small and insignificant in the huge cosmos. Um, but really, when we read the Bible, we see the heavens declare the glory oh, of God. Yes. And, and so we understand the size of the universe mm. is to reflect God's bigness, his glory, his vastness. Mm. And so it's, it's, a, it's a different uh, way of looking at it that we're told to view in the secular glasses that we're given as we watch the television is that as you look at that small pale blue dot you're supposed to understand how small and insignificant you are and yes we understand that we are very small compared to god but we're very special to him and the earth though small is incredibly significant and when we look at the science when we look at the data that's coming back from these exoplanets we see that Yes, the Earth is small, but it's incredibly unique, and it's um, incredibly God has made it to be habitable for man. And the design features that speak of an invisible God, as Romans one talks about, mm. that we're all without excuse because That's God's right. revealed Himself through creation. Those design features that we can see in the human body, that the molecular revolution has brought about, and we can also see them on the scale of the Earth. And so, yeah, that's why I find this subject exciting. Absolutely, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us to talk about a really insightful and amazing topic. We are going to continue on with the show. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.